Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ambassadors Forum radio show. Our mission here is to equip you to be able to answer life's hard questions with nothing but the Bible, your brain, and maybe just a little bit of bravado. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, engineer in the high-tech industry, and most importantly, bought and paid for bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church today has seen young people leave the faith in record numbers, and not just young people, but folks of all ages. And for many of them, the reason is simple. They're just not getting good answers to their difficult questions. We want to do our part to change that. Here at the Ambassadors Forum, we believe the Bible is sufficient to answer all of our questions. Not only that, but we believe God wants us to ask him our questions. The, the Bible condemns a blind faith. Over and over, it calls us to examine ourselves, to weigh the evidence in front of us, to abandon weak logic and false assumptions. Here at the Ambassadors Forum, we want to equip you to find solid answers from a biblical worldview using Christian apologetics. We want to reclaim the areas of our culture that have been lost. Areas like science, morality, and social justice. All of these are Christian concepts born out of a Christian worldview. It's time to get back to our roots and recover what it means to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. Welcome to our very first episode on the radio here at True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. We're excited to be able to share our message with this listening audience. A lot of people ask us how our ministry, the Ambassadors Forum, got started. It's really pretty simple. We started this ministry out of a desperate need that we saw in our own families. When my kids were young, I loved reading them Bible stories. Life was so simple back then. I would read them awesome stories like David and Goliath, and the Tower of Babel, and Samson, and Elijah and the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. And we had a ton of fun acting them all out. <laughs> if you ever want to make the neighbors think you've gone crazy... Read them the story of Elijah and Mount Carmel and act it out in the front yard. That would be a kicker. My kids loved learning about God, and they accepted those fantastic stories with simple faith. But as they got older, especially in their teen years, things began to change. They started asking questions. And they're my kids, so they <laughs> started asking tough questions, and they wouldn't settle for weak answers. Let me back up a minute and give you some context. We were homeschooling at the time, and so questions were just a part of our family dynamic. Whether it was outside doing chores, like splitting the firewood or gathering eggs for the chickens, or on the playground or at the dinner table, learning was just a part of our life. Here's a quick funny story. So my wife was pregnant with kid number seven, and we went in for the ultrasound. And so the kids were, 
think the youngest was two, the oldest was like 12 or 13 at the time, and we're all crammed into this little ultrasound room in the hospital. And the ultrasound technician is going over my wife's tummy and, you know, showing the kids pictures and and they're asking questions. And at the end of it, the technician turned to us and she said, uh, I can tell you guys homeschool. And I was like, really? And, you know, being the proud dad that I was, I thought, well, it must be because, you know, one of them said something about the periodic table or calculus in third grade or <laughs> whatever. And she said, no, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with what they know. I could tell by the questions that they ask. They're thoughtful questions. And they really are curious to know the answers. So I guess in a way you could say, I created this situation. But it was a great environment. It was healthy. It was dynamic. It was engaging. So the kids started meeting these middle teenage years. And they're asking my wife and I questions that we really couldn't answer. And even though many of us had as parents had read and studied the Bible for years and we lived out our faith the best that we could, we hadn't really thought through our faith in the manner that we needed to in order to be able to answer our kids' questions with solid, reliable answers. We compared notes with some of our friends and some of the other parents at church and found that just about everybody was in the same boat. So we found some apologetics resources online, we listened to some podcasts, we started studying our Bibles, and we did the most important thing, we started practicing. So the kids would ask us these questions, and we'd ask ourselves these questions. And we'd think, and we'd read, and we'd study, and we discussed, and the more we practiced, the better we got. And the better we got, the more we needed to practice. And so eventually... One of the other dads and I said, you know what, let's try this out by teaching the youth group. And so we had a whole year where we taught the youth group at our church. Looking back now, one of the things that we did that was so helpful is at the end of each lesson, I said to the kids, if you guys have any other questions text me your question and I will commit to giving you an answer within 24 hours. I'll text you an answer in 24 hours. And I had no idea at the time. Kids love to text. (laughs) I got so many questions. I was just overwhelmed. And, you know, I had made this commitment to answer them within 24 hours. And so I got like carpal tunnel in my thumbs. I didn't even really know how to text. But it was so good because what I learned was kids weren't looking for a 10-page answer or a two-hour lecture. They were looking for an answer that they could see and read and understand in the length of a text. And so what that did is it trained us to get at the heart of the matter, to get at the question that they were really asking reference a a few key Bible verses, and then boom, just nail the answer. So that's kind of how we got started, and it just kind of went from there. We taught a few more lessons, and we ended up putting on a big conference 
where we invited speakers in from out of town, and the ministry just grew. If you're just now joining us, my name is Roy Swart. You're listening to the Ambassadors Forum radio show, where we try and help you answer life's hard questions. You can find out more information about our ministry at theambassadorsforum.com, theambassadorsforum.com. So let's see what this looks like played out in real life. Here's a question from our website. Why does God send people to hell just because they don't believe in Jesus? What about people in the jungles of Africa or the outback of Australia who have never even heard of the Bible? How's that fair? That's a great question. So let's break it down into two parts. First, why does God send people to hell just because they don't believe in Jesus? Now, one of the most important things about answering hard questions is to first to make sure you're answering a valid question. And what I mean by valid is that there isn't some incorrect statement already hidden in the question itself. So, for example, this question has an implied assumption in it. Did you spot it? Do you know what it is? That God does send people to hell for not believing in Jesus. Is that true? Is that what the Bible teaches? No. You have to be very careful with these kinds of questions because if embedded in the question itself is a falsehood and you don't address that falsehood first, no matter what answer you end up with, you're going to be wrong. Now, this is a practice that I am so familiar with in my day job as an engineer in the high-tech semiconductor industry. And you engineers and scientists out there know exactly what I'm talking about. You do spend a lot of time making sure you have the right problem statement identified ahead of time. You make sure there aren't any hidden errors before you even get started. So if God doesn't send people to hell for not believing in Jesus, then why does he send people to hell? Let's go to the Bible for the answer. Romans 3 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6 goes on to say, And the wages of that sin is death. Romans 5 makes it really clear. It says, And so death spread to all people because all people sinned. So why does God send people to hell? Because of sin. Because we choose to sin against him. Let me give an example and try and uh, show an analogy of this. Let's say that you are driving down the road and you come to a school zone. And they've got a posted speed limit in the school zone of 20 miles an hour. 
and you decide to do 80. So you zip through this school zone, and the police pull you over, and they say, you know how fast you were going? And you're like, yeah, I was doing 80 miles an hour. And they're like, you know what the speed limit is? 20. All right, well, you know the drill. Uh, You're going to go to jail unless you pay the fine, and the fine is $1,000. So meet me at the courthouse tomorrow. So you go down to the courthouse, the judge says, well, you're going 80 and a 20. Um, how do you plead? And you say, guilty. And he says, okay, well, the fine is $1,000. Pay the fine of $1,000 or you're going to jail. And you say, I don't have 1000 bucks." He says, okay, officer, take him to jail. So you're sitting in jail and your family who love you, they come and visit. And they say to you, man, why are you in jail? And what do you say? Do you say, because I didn't have a thousand bucks. Is that why you went to jail? You didn't have a thousand dollars? And that's why they sent you to jail? No. You went to jail because you broke the law. We go to hell because we break God's law. We sin against God. Now, God, in his infinite love and mercy, has given us a way to avoid hell, and that is to accept the payment of Jesus Christ on our behalf. But just because we reject that payment, that's not what sends us to hell. What sends us to hell is our sin. Now let's think about the second part of the question. How is it fair that God would hold people responsible to follow rules that he had never given them? If the Bible is the only source of his law, and people don't have the Bible, then how can they be held accountable? That's a great follow-up, and it's going to take a little more digging to find the answer. Fortunately, you don't have to dig very deep but what you'll find is a concept, an idea that's pretty radical. In fact, a lot of Christians don't even understand this. And here it is. God has given a personal copy of his law to every single person on the planet. Let me say that again. Every person, no matter what language they speak, doesn't matter if they can read or write, every person in the world has a personal copy of God's law. How's that work? Let me show you in Romans chapter 2. It says, They demonstrate that God's law is written on their hearts for their own consciences and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they are doing right. Now that is a crazy big concept, but a crazy important point that you've got to understand. When people rebel against God, they can't say, well, I didn't know that it was wrong to murder. 
or I didn't know that it was wrong to steal, or I didn't know that it was wrong to cheat. Nobody ever told me that. Well, God says, you can't use that as an excuse. So, is there anybody out there who's ever done something wrong and felt bad about it? And you felt bad even though nobody caught you? And you felt bad even though nobody told you not to do that? That is God's law at work in your heart as your conscience. It's an amazing thing. So, when the questioner says, well, what about all the people who didn't get a copy of God's law? Well, they may not have gotten a copy of the King James Bible. Or they may not have gotten a copy of the NIV or the ESV or the original Hebrew or the original Greek. But every single person, God promises that every single person has received a copy of his law written on their hearts. So let's bring this all together. Let's go back to that crucial part of the question, is it fair? So let's assume that God has made his law clear to everyone, whether it's through his law written on our hearts as our conscience, or whether it's through the Bible, and then we knowingly willingly choose to sin against him, to violate our own consciences, to break the law of the Bible and sin against God. Even in that situation, is it fair for him to punish us? Well, the Bible describes it like this. Because God created the heavens and the earth, in other words, the whole universe, and he created people, as the creator, he's the judge over his own creation. He gets to make the rules and decide the consequences because it's his stuff. I think we would all agree that this is unquestionably fair. You wouldn't think it was fair if other people got to make the rules for your stuff. And it wouldn't be fair for you to get to make the rules for other people's stuff. So God gets to make the rules because he created everything. I hope this helps. We covered a lot of kind of basic problem-solving principles for answering questions in that one. And uh, you can use those methods for approaching any of your hard questions. So it looks like we've only got enough time for maybe one more quick question. Here's another one from our website. Why are there Christian soldiers when the Bible says, Thou shalt not kill? That's another good question. I think your point is that it's obvious that soldiers are sometimes called upon to kill in the line of duty. Kill people like enemy soldiers. So if the Bible forbids all killing then a Christian soldier wouldn't be able to perform their duty. Yeah, that, that would be a contradiction for sure. So let's think through what the answer might be. This one's going to require a bit of in-depth study into the language of the Bible. Now this command, thou shalt not kill, is uh, one of the big ones, one of the Ten Commandments. 
And it's found in the Old Testament, in Exodus and Deuteronomy, to be exact. And many of you know that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So the original Hebrew in this verse, for thou shalt not kill, is lo ratzach, which literally means do not kill the innocent in premeditation. Now the version of the Bible that the questioner quoted was the King James Version, very popular in Christian circles. Now when the King James Version was translated from Hebrew into English over 400 years ago, way back in 1611, at that time the English language used the word kill to mean what we would use the word murder to mean today. But the English language has changed a lot in 400 years. Kill doesn't mean today what it meant 400 years ago. Today it just simply means taking the life of, not killing innocent people in premeditation. So what have we done to catch up Bible translations with the time and the way the English language has transformed? Well, a lot of modern Bible versions almost always translate this verse as do not murder. So in summary, Christian soldiers are certainly allowed to kill. They can kill the enemy in times of war, but they are never allowed to murder anyone. Hopefully that helps clear things up. As you can see, even simple questions often take a little more thinking and explanation than a 50-word tweet or a 10-second soundbite. Wow, well that went fast. Let me wrap it up with a few closing thoughts. I love our culture here in the Pacific Northwest. It's real. It's gritty. It's direct. And it's transparent. But to be perfectly honest, it can be a pretty hard place to be a Christian. It's not an environment that is very friendly to our Christian faith. But I want to encourage you, people here value authenticity. Bottom line, they want to engage. They want to know what you believe, and especially why you believe it. So give it a shot. Think through what you believe. Know why you believe it. And above all, please, for the love of God, people, listen more than you speak. You'll be surprised at the wonderful conversations that you have and the beautiful people that you'll meet. Now how about you? Where are you with the Lord today? What hard questions are you struggling with? The Bible has answers. In fact, it has the answer to the hard question that you are struggling with right now. You can do this. Number one, read your Bible. Number two, live it out. Number three, talk with others. And number four, ask God to help you.
The Ambassadors Forum is here to help you get started. Go to our website at theambassadorsforum.com. That's ambassadors, plural, with an S, theambassadorsforum.com. There's also a link to our website at the KPDQ website and the True Talk 800 website. While you're there, you can look at some of the questions that we've already answered. You can ask us your hard question. You can browse through some of our other helpful resources. You can sign up to join us for one of our monthly discussion forums. Make sure to follow us on Facebook. And lastly, you can sign up to attend our annual West Coast Apologetics Conference on October 23rd and 24th. For the exact times and all the details on the speakers and topics and to learn about some of the fun activities that we're cooking up, please visit our website, theambassadorsforum.com. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. God bless. 